Oh, thank you. All right. Now, what passage would you all expect a missionary to go to? <laughs> Acts 1. <laughs> Let's go to Acts 1. And uh, I'll read this and then we'll pray. And then I want to give you all a quick update about some things. Acts 1. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 11. Uh, but let's start. If you will, let's read it together. Read verse 8 together on the count of three. One, two, and three. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for another chance to be in your house. Lord, we ask you to meet with us as you already have uh, through the songs. And I just pray that your word would not return void, but would accomplish all that you have for it, and that your name would be honored and glorified. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, So, real quick, um, for those that might not get our monthly updates, uh, just wanted to... So in our latest update that went out yesterday, uh, we were just um, telling people, um, one, about the situation with the girls and how we've uh, been able to get them enrolled um, in Talawanda High in uh, Oxford. Uh, It's the school district where my mom lives and it's where we're living right now. Uh, So um, they got into a transition program uh, for youth that need some extra help and transitioning. And uh, so basically what it is is they hold their diploma, the girl's diploma, until they finish uh, what's called Class 23, and they're allowed to be in that until they're 22. I don't know why it's called Class. I think it's so you graduate in class in 2023, so that's why it's called Class 23. But anyways, uh, so um, they get to go pretty much like four days a week and learn life skills like cooking and um, I don't know what else, but uh, do you remember it? Yeah, cooking, job skills. They get to work in a few different places around the city. Um, They take them out and they work in like a a hotel and Airbnb. They work in a cafe that's at the high school and uh, they work... And this for the city of Oxford. So um, they get a lot of experience doing that sort of thing. And so we're thankful for that. And it's just, it's just kids with special needs. So they're just in a class with like five or six. Um, and then we're praying about, uh, well, we're hoping in December we can apply for what's called Project Search and Life. That is through Butler Tech. And it's like the program I just mentioned to you, but on steroids, and so it basically, instead of not just preparing for life, it prepares um, uh, people with special needs for a career, and so if they can get into that program, it's really pretty competitive, because all of Butler County goes for it, um, so, uh, but anyways, you apply in December, and you find out in March and a- or April if you get in, so for the near future, it looks like at least the next couple of years, we our life's going to be 
centered around um, near there, Hamilton and Oxford area. And uh, so we'll be um, just seeing what, what uh, the Lord does there. And uh, the girls are looking forward to August when it starts, all that starts. Uh, the work in Peru is uh, going good. They're facing some challenges that come with transitioning. And uh, I, like I told you, Paul's newly married, so challenges there. Challenges with transitioning to a uh, new, new guy, new pastor, even though Paul's been there with us. He's been there for 10 years, uh, but he's been working with us for the last four or five. And uh, so, and Lord willing, I say that, yeah, construction, hopefully we'll start this month uh, if we can make a decision. We're trying to get some very specific estimates on exactly how much it's going to cost for certain things, uh, whether we do a basement or not, whether we do footers and try to get to a second floor so that the church will have a first floor to meet on. Um, so pray for that. And then, um, yeah, in, in, we're, we have a couple churches we'll be visiting this month, but most we're going to start visiting our, our supporting churches uh, come August. And I'm anticipating probably having to do a lot of that on my own, probably. Uh, but um, just to thank, and even when we don't know where the Lord's leading us, but to at least thank our churches for the, most of them have been supporting us for 20 years. And so thank them for that. And, um, and uh, then we'll see, depending on how many. Normally, I, I used to actually call our pastors and say, hey, you want to stop, stop by? And now I just put it in our letter. And if they reach out to me, um, then I reach back. And if not, I say, I'm going to take that as well. They're, they're okay with us not stopping by. So, um, uh, but keep us in, in your prayers. Uh, we are, uh, again, adjusting to life in the States. Um, you know, I told Pastor, you never really, once you're on the field for a certain amount of time, you don't feel comfortable anywhere. Um, you're in this, you're in Peru, and you don't feel like you fit in. And you come back to the States, and you don't feel like you fit in. And uh, so pray for us as we kind of work through that. And then we're working through, you know, in ministry, you have the... Um, Something happens when you're in ministry, and if you don't watch it, you can lose your soul. Um, sounds bad, but you you don't lose it. You lose it to the ministry. And instead of finding your identity in who you are in Christ, you find your identity in what you've been doing for Christ. And that's never the way God meant it, um, but um, it happens. And so right now we're trying to figure out um, kind of like who we are without, you know, who do you say you are? Are you a missionary? Well, I was, but not anymore, you know. So, and people say, you know, what are you doing? What are you? And uh, so basically we're, we're working through that. And then Beck and I were talking the other day. It's hard because you come back and, you know, we're in our 40s now, which isn't old. Um, but we're at the stage that a lot of 20-year-olds are here. We're just back. And instead of being like along the way in your mid, in the, you call it middle age, you know, uh, we're kind of like starting out again like, as if we were in our 20s. And so that's like a new challenge uh, for us as well. So, 
Uh, just I say all that just to keep us in your prayers. And uh, just a little tidbit there that you can remember uh, when other missionaries come through, kind of what they're, they might be feeling or going through there. Uh, but, um, yeah, I just tell you all that just to, just to pray for us. And I know you, I know you are, obviously, but uh, uh, you can pray a little bit more specifically with that in mind. So um, I think that's pretty much everything that was in our update. So let's get into God's Word in uh, Acts chapter 1. Uh, we're in a very familiar passage of Scripture, especially to everyone here on a Sunday night. Um, but I want to talk about every believer being a witness. Every believer a witness. And in Acts 1.8, uh, we see part of the Great Commission here. And the word witness, ye shall be my witnesses. And, you know, uh, for any of you that have read through the book of Acts, which probably most of you have, you know that that word witness is key to this chapter. It's, it's in Acts 29 times, both uh, as a noun and as a verb. And uh, so it is uh, a very key word uh, in, in this book. Uh, but as, as most of you probably know, witness in, in this word, witness, means martyr. Uh, in the New Testament, it was, this, it was the word for martyr, for what, which means, you know, one who dies for their faith. And in Acts, we see the believers, first believers in the first church, um, they didn't see telling others about Jesus as the responsibility of only a few, but rather as the responsibility of all whose lives had been changed uh, by Christ, and they were willing to die, to give witness uh, of what Jesus had done in their lives. And, um, you know, that's still happening today. We don't hear about it a lot, but there are still Christians dying for their faith in other parts of the world. And for us, it's, it's kind of hard for us to imagine even though we see our country going in a uh, the wrong way for very fast right now, um, we still have freedom. And it's hard for us to imagine what that would be like not having uh, that freedom to tell others uh, about Christ. But they were willing uh, to tell others about Christ, even if it meant their lives. Uh, so as, as we get into this tonight... Uh, just to kind of illustrate uh, this point, um, there's a story about a, a man named John Courier, and you know, no, no one really, no one knows him. You, you all probably haven't heard of him, but in 1949, he was found guilty of murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. Uh, later, he was transferred and paroled to work on a farm. In 1968, um, he his sentence was completed. And a letter was uh, sent to him with the good news um, that he was a free man. Uh, the problem is that he never got that letter for 10 years. So for 10 years, he continued working on that farm, even after the farmer who was in charge of it died. He continued just doing his job there. Uh, but he never got the message until a... A probation officer, you know, find, found out about him, uh, 
and actually took, uh, or took the time to find where he was and give him the message and tell him that he was a free man. Uh, and, of course, you can imagine all the range of emotions that would go through you if you had found out that you had been free for 10 years and you had just spent 10 years working hard labor on a farm uh, for no reason. And you think about that and, and just think, put it in, in a spiritual perspective of people all around us who need the message that we have, and yet we don't take it to them. Not because we don't necessarily, not because we, we don't want to, just because it can be uncomfortable, we're busy, uh, we got other things to do, um, they probably don't want to hear it, <laughs> they probably won't listen, and so instead of taking that message, giving that message, we are content to live the Christian life without going and telling others. And that's just not the example that we see uh, in the New Testament and throughout the book of Acts. And so quickly tonight, I, I want us to look at three things uh, in verses 1 to 11. The great commandment, the great commission, and the great certainty. And through these three things, we'll, we'll see our responsibility as Christians, can be divided into three parts. To obey, to go, and to hope. And so let's start with the great commandment. Let's read verses 1 to 5. Um, Luke writing, says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Notice back there in verse 2 that Luke specifically says, after he says, until the day in which he was taken up, after that he, through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments. Um, we'll come back to that. But verse 4, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. You know, a lot of times when we talk about the great commandment, we're, we're normally thinking of one either, okay, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, strength, and yes, that is the great commandment. Or we're thinking of the other great commandment that follows in this verse is to go to the world and, and be witnesses and to preach the gospel. But before we get to that, the great commission, um, we, we see a commandment that Jesus gave his followers here. And he was very specific about them waiting on him and about waiting until they were um, empowered by the Holy Ghost, by the Holy Spirit. They were to obey and to wait in Jerusalem until that happened. And a lot of times we, we kind of look past that and like, well, yeah, that's good. You know, they obeyed. But, you know, as Christians, a lot of times um, we get excited. We, we might get excited about a, a new program or 
maybe a new way we've heard how, how we can talk to a friend on a certain subject um, or give them the gospel. And we want to just jump in and while we should jump in with both feet, we also have to wait on the Spirit. Because without the Spirit, we really can't do anything. We have no power at all. And what happens too much is in our Christian lives, um, we don't first obey this first part to walk in the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit. And therefore, you know, our witness really doesn't have the, the backing that it needs. It, do, it doesn't have the force, doesn't have the power that it needs because we're not walking in the Spirit. We're not uh, living in the Spirit. We're, we're, we don't have that power. And because of thought that our witness suffers. You know, and I know we all have days where, hey, you know, we get up late and maybe we didn't, we, we didn't spend our time with God or maybe uh, it, it happens later in the day. And, you know, you go through the day and you can miss opportunities because you haven't been waiting, waiting on the Lord, waiting for him um, to, to speak to you, waiting for him to um, bring that person or to lead you to that person. Uh, in Luke chapter 24, you can turn there or, or you can listen, but the other part, part of the Great Commission in Luke, Luke 24, 46, Jesus is speaking and he says, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and ye are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So again, Luke records that, what Jesus said at the end of his gospel in Luke, and then he reiterates it again to us here in Acts. And uh, th that was important uh, for the, the apostles. It was important for the first church. Um, without the Holy Spirit's power, the church could not impact and cannot influence our culture or our society. And I think too often that's why we don't have a bigger impact the lives of those that we're going to witness to. And so if we're not walking with Jesus, if we're not with Him on a daily basis, if we're not obeying His Word, if we're not um, obeying in, in this respect of being witnesses, then how can we expect the Spirit to work through us? Now, obviously, God in His graciousness um, uses us, even in spite of all that many times. Uh, but just think about the greater impact we could have if we lived conscious of this every day. Conscious of, Lord, I, I want to obey you. Lord, I want to do um, your will so that your spirit can work through me and will work through me. Because God is working. He's still saving souls. He's still using His Word uh, to change lives. Uh, but are we willing to obey? 
and to walk with Him uh, so that we can see that in other people's lives. Um, we can't do anything of eternal value without the Holy Spirit. And you and I know that up here, but we have to live that out. You know, we, we, when, there's, uh, when we go out on visitation or when we're in the workplace, we will not have boldness to talk to someone about Christ if we haven't been with Him. Because boldness comes from communion with Him. And if we're not right with Him, then that boldness to be the witness isn't going to be there. And then it's just a cycle. Then, then what kind of eternal impact are we making in wherever we go on a daily basis? And so right here is where it starts, the obedience. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is not a luxury. It's an absolute necessity. And if, you ever, if you've ever had to teach or preach from up here or in a Sunday school class or in a ladies' meeting or something, you know that being up here without the Spirit's presence is about as lonely as it can get. you just rather just sit down and say, okay, we're done for today. And so, um, you know, that's the way it is. A lot of times when you're trying to... T- Give, give someone the gospel, and you're not ready. You haven't been with, with Jesus. You, you, you've not been in his word. You've not been uh, living in, in accordance or in obedience with it. And then you're trying to give the gospel, and you're just like, uh, uh. And someone says something, and you're like, normally you would know the answer, but it's not there. And I, obviously, I'm not attributing that always to, okay, you've been disobedient. No. You know, sometimes we get, we get nervous, and, and other things happen, but... A lot of times, that, just that power is not there because we've not been walking. We've not been o- obeying. Um, Zechariah 4, 6, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And that's what we got to remember. Every day, wherever, wherever the Lord takes us in our daily routine, not by my power, not by my might, but by the spirit. And then that's when we're going to see a difference in our witness and in telling others about Jesus. Uh, Secondly, here we see the Great Commission. So first, the Great Commandment, obey, obedience. And I know as Christians here on a Sunday night that are faithful and, and here on a holiday weekend, we're like, yeah, we know all about obedience. But it's easy to hear about obedience and not practice it. But then we come here to, to the Great Commission, which teaches us to go. Let's read verse six, 6 to 8. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So, we have the commandment to obey, 
And now we see the commission, what we've been commissioned to do, and that is to go. And we have to obey both parts. And a lot of time, that, that first part, waiting on the Spirit, is hard. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder if the disciples in the first church got tired, you know, like, okay, he told us to wait. So we're waiting. And, you know, they're praying every day and they're fasting. And they're like, okay, well, how long should we wait? Because he didn't say when it was going to happen, but he told us to wait. And so they just keep waiting. But remember, they weren't just waiting. They were still witnessing. But the power came, obviously, as we see in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. Um, but we all know Matthew 28, 18-20, where Christ gives us the, the part of the Great Commission that we're so familiar with. All power is given unto me. And again, we see that power that can only come from Christ through Him, through His Holy Spirit. And, and that is what we need because He said, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. But, if we go without the power, what good is it? Matthew, or, or Mark 16, 15, where Jesus said, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, the other part of the Great Commission, John 20, 21, Jesus said to his disciples, He said to them again, it says, Peace be unto me as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So, you know, we would have to be pretty much blind um, to see, to not see the responsibility we've been given to be witnesses um, or willfully disobedient, one or the other, um, uh, to, to, to not realize the responsibility, this great commission that we have. And, you know, too many people get nervous when a missionary is up here saying, go, 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 okay? It's not that you got to go to Peru. It's not that you got to go to Thailand or to India or to Canada or to Mexico. It's just that you need to go wherever God's sending you each and every day. You know, we, t we, we try to complicate it so much, and it, it's really not complicated. It's just going where you're already going, <laughs> being a witness where you already are, being all in wherever God has placed you. That's all it is. And when you put it that way, it doesn't sound all that hard. Why? Because you all already have relationships that God has given you in the workplace, um, at your grocery, in your neighborhood, uh, and, and, and the other places that you frequent on a daily basis. You've already got those relationships established. And so just continuing to be a daily witness in those places makes a huge difference to, pe to the people around you. I mean, most of the people you all have, have brought to church and invited to church came because they, not just because they saw one time you invited them, but because they also were watching you and they were seeing what was taking place in your life. Uh, and, and they said, they're the real deal. You know, I, I, I want to see more. I want to hear more. And so then they followed you to church. 
or they listen to you more at the in the break room or or uh, while you were working. But as as you go through the book of Acts, you can go Acts chapter three, Acts chapter four, Acts chapter five. Um, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 11, we're not going to read all those verses, but you just see the apostles witnessing. And then you also see the first church witnessing. You see them going and you see them being joyful uh, uh, just about the opportunity that they have um, to tell others about Jesus. And they say, we can't stop. We can't, we can't not speak the things that we've both heard and seen and you know that's one one of my favorite verses when when we're talking about witnessing because that's all it is witnessing what you've heard and seen witnessing what christ has done in your life and the first church they recognized this and that's why uh 300 years later you could see a, a good portion of asia and the Middle East, and all the way over to England, had the gospel, and still had churches, um, and, and still, they, they even had missionaries and preachers sent out of these places. Because this first generation, Christians, took the commission seriously, and went. And that's, that's the biggest part, is... Not thinking, well, okay, I can't go to some foreign country. Well, that's all right, because God didn't call you to a foreign country. If he did, great, go. But if he didn't, just do it right here. And, you know, that's one of, my, that's one of the things being here in, uh, in the States is that I'm, I'm afraid. Like, will I still be a witness here in the States? Um, uh, or will I will it will it all get lost in in the busyness of what it is to be in this U.S. culture? You know, uh, one of my maybe it's an unfounded fear, but just something that goes that has gone through my mind in being back. Uh, but let's just remember when we talk and when we witness. You know, yes, you know we talk about politics, we talk about sports, we talk about family, we talk about school and work and university. And sometimes we even get into apologetics. And you know, all that's good because we've got to find a way to relate to people. But let's not forget of what we are witnessing and of who we are witnessing. Because we can talk about all those things without getting to the main point, which is Jesus. And that's where we want to get to. And that's what we see with, uh, with the uh, apostles and with the first church they got to the point and talked about Jesus. It was about Jesus' death, about his resurrection. Every time, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and salvation. And, and if we can stick to that, then through the Spirit's power, we can see a difference in just the people that we're around each and every day. Um. Let's close here in verse number nine, talking about the great certainty. All right, so we saw the great commandment, we need to obey. Uh, the great commission, we need to go. Okay, those go hand in hand, to obey, to go. Go, obey. You can't do one without the other. And then in this last verse, we see the great certainty, which 
I believe, shows us that we need to hope. And in verse number 9, it says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner, uh, as ye have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming again. And of that, we have, we can be certain. We have a great certainty. He is coming again. And I know that that's a hope that we hold on to, especially as we look at our world and see just the craziness and just the, the wickedness going all around us. We say, even so, come Lord Jesus. And I echo that. You know, I, I want Christ to return. And we need to hope and, and, and always have that hope because it is certain that He is coming again. But basically we see here in verse 11, the angel said, hey, what are you all doing standing around? What are you guys doing looking up into heaven being stargazers? <laughs> Go get to work. And too often um, as Christians, we're saying, even so come Lord Jesus, but we're not doing anything. And that is exactly what God doesn't want us doing. Why? Because the great certainty that we have leads us to be even greater witnesses. In fact, if, if we are really prepared for His return, we are going to be busy telling others about Him. So we're not just resting on that promise that He's coming again. We're working because He's coming again. And that's a part that uh, a lot of times uh, we leave out, that second part. Yes, He's coming again, and, and we know He's coming again, and we're hoping for that. But we can't forget uh, the words that were said in, in Luke 19.13, you know, in, in the parable of the talents. And the servants were told to work in the absence of their master, their master representing Jesus. And so the master says, Jesus says, occupy till I come. And that word is not talking about occupying a seat. It's talking about working, working till I come. Do my business until I come. So what we have to be careful about is not to be so worried about the future that we stop witnessing in the present. Why? Because someone has said discipleship is not about knowing times and dates, but rather it is about being prepared. And Jesus shows us that in some of his parables, um, that we need to be prepared. We, we don't know when he's coming, so we need to be prepared. Well, how are we prepared? We're prepared by telling others about him, by being witnesses uh, for him. In, in this verse, in, um, chapter, in verse 6, the people said, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So their focus was off. You remember the Jews thought, hey, the Messiah is coming. 
He's going to rule and reign. We're going to throw off Roman oppression and we're going to rule. And they're going to be under our thumbs and we're going to be in charge. And so, okay, now Jesus has died and he's risen again. And so they're like, great, is it our time to rule? Yeah, is it our time to just stamp out this, the, the Romans? And Jesus says, he, he doesn't uh, chide them for, for this, but he does set their focus on where it should be. And he says, here, ye shall receive power and ye shall be witnesses. So don't worry about if now's the time that I'm going to restore Israel. Don't worry about if, if this is it or not. Worry about, am I being a witness? Am I taking this gospel to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth? Um, the certainty of Jesus' imminent return should motivate us to be witnesses to those around us. It shouldn't motivate us to be like, yes, I'm so tired of this world. I'm just going to sit here and wait till he comes again. No, it should motivate us to go and to tell those around us. Why? Because we know what's coming. For us, it's awesome. But for those that don't know Jesus, it's not going to be. And so that should give us even a greater urgency. Oswald J. Smith, you probably heard this saying, but he said, the light that shines the farthest will shine the brightest at home. You know, that's the reason um, when, when we send out missionaries, you don't send out a guy or a family that has been doing nothing. You don't send out someone that says, yeah, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to evangelize this group of people when they haven't been doing anything in their local church. Oddly enough, that happens way more than you all would think. Um, but that's another, that's not a sermon, that's a soapbox. But living with the, this great certainty of Jesus' return will motivate us uh, to tell others about him. So I know I'm not giving you guys anything new tonight. And really... If I give you anything new, just kick me out of here because there's nothing new through from God's word, right? Uh, so, but we just need to be reminded, myself included, to obey, to go, and to keep hoping, to not despair, to not lose hope. Jesus is coming again, and that should motivate us even more to be a witness to those around us, to obey, to go. Um, to close, Proverbs 14.25 says, A true witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness, witness speaketh lies. So, again, remember that as, as, as you go out. I know um, it's, it's July 4th, so a lot of us are going to have opportunities to be with family that we might not always be with, family that might not know Jesus, uh, friends that might not know Jesus. We need to be a true witness and not just sugarcoat things for our own benefit so we don't feel so awkward, but give them the truth of, of who Jesus is and of why he came and, and 
why they need to be saved. A true witness delivereth souls, but a, a deceitful witness speaketh lies. And unfortunately, we got way more supposedly Christian people speaking lies to a world that needs the truth. And so we should be the ones taking that truth, being that witness to them. Uh, so think about these three things we've seen. And, um, you know, may the Lord challenge each of us to, to do what we can. He's not judging us on, on, based on anyone else, just the opportunities that he's given us and the places he takes us each and every day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your word. Lord, again, I, I know that we haven't seen um, anything, maybe as we would say, deep and profound, uh, Lord, but it's the simple things of the Christian life that help us deepen our relationships with you. And Lord, if we will be obedient, if we will go, if we will continue to hope without despair, um, then we will be prepared for the opportunities that you give us to, to witness and to tell others about you. We'll be, we'll be empowered uh, and we will have the boldness that we need uh, to give the gospel um, to our family, to our friends, to even perfect strangers. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us tonight. I know that um, all of us here as believers have that desire to tell others about Jesus. And Lord, just ask that you would help us to live consciously um, of the fact that, that you want to work in us and through us to reach others. And forgive us for where we fail in this. And Lord, let us live our lives in such a way that not only our lips speak the truth, but our lives uh, also live out the truth and bring honor and glory to your name. And uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.